Well, today we're on the Perspectives podcast where we look at current issues and events and try and look at them through the lens of a biblical perspective. And today I'm joined by Dan Shields, who's a director of worship arts uh, at Orchard Hill Church. If you've ever seen Dan, he's the one that has the mad guitar skills, so hard to miss that. Always love to be a part of worship when Dan's involved. So uh, today we're talking about Ash Wednesday. That's upon us, just what it means. Why is it significant? Is it significant uh, for a Christian today? And so, uh, Dan, welcome. And let me just jump in by saying, what was your experience with Ash Wednesday growing up? When did you first see an ash, take part? What was that like for you growing up? Yeah, yeah. So I grew up in the uh, Catholic Church, but I often say, like, uh, we were Catholic as a family the way that Taco Bell is Mexican. So, like, not really deep. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Especially for me, I had two older sisters, and uh, they went through Catholic school and stuff like that. I think by the time they got to me, they were sort of done with it. So we would go, you know, uh, once, twice, three times a month max. Uh, uh, But we were always there on Easter, of course, and Christmas, of course. And I think for me, like, it... I don't know what it was, uh, but I didn't really pay attention to Ash Wednesday almost at all when I was a kid. I think it was later, uh, actually, you know, after I accepted Christ when I was in my late teens that I started really noticing it and questioning what it was. So it wasn't a thing for me when I was uh, when I was a kid. I didn't really know what Ash Wednesday was so much. So you didn't participate in your services? I don't think that I've ever gotten ashes, to be yeah. honest with you. Um, so I, I, I remember once like seeing a guy and, and, you know, doing the like, hey, you, mm-hmm. <laughs> you got something on your head type of thing, you know. Yeah. So th- that probably makes me a little bit distant from, you know, that tradition. But yeah, uh, yeah that, was, that was my experience with it. I remember growing up in elementary school and I would see some friends of mine, they'd come in with this ash and look like, did you get a shower this morning or the next <laughs> right, day? And I'd right. be intrigued. Yeah. And then uh, my uh, babysitter, when I was like six, seven, uh, her son turned out to be my best friend. They were... Uh, Catholic. And so I would be invited to services and I would begin to go to some of their services and get a glimpse of what it is that they were doing and celebrating. And so that was really interesting. And Ash Wednesday um, is basically the start of Lent. Uh, The Lenten season is the 40 days excluding Sundays uh, prior to Easter that's celebrated in a lot of the uh, Christian church, particularly Roman Catholic church. And I remember part of Lent for my friend was they could not or they would not eat meat on Fridays. And That's I right. was with them almost every weekend, almost every day of the year. And so for me, what Lent meant was I didn't get meat on Fridays. But you did get a nice fish sandwich though I sometimes. did get a nice fish sandwich. <laughs> right. that went to Arby's fish sandwich, McDonald's fish sandwich. That's going back a ways. But that was yeah. kind of my experience with that. What, what's your experience with Oh, and by the way, the, the 40 days, you say, where does the 40 days come from? And the word Lent, interestingly, comes from an older English word that means lengthen. And the, the reason that's there is because the days begin to lengthen as we get closer to Easter. So yeah, that's kind of an ex- encouraging piece that the days are getting longer, not shorter. Uh, although this is a, a side note, but how can you create more daylight, daylight savings time? Like there's only so much daylight, Dan, but... That's right. You can't save I, uh, daylight. But no. if we could, I would definitely do it, especially this time of year here in Pittsburgh. Yes. Yeah, and you know, I, I think the Catholics too, they, they would say a couple of other things in addition. So they would say that it's it's representative of Christ's time in the wilderness, mm-hmm. so that he was fasting for 40 days, and this is to be a time of penance, uh, you know, 40 days, uh, you know, really focusing our attention to the Lord. And also, I, I think in that tradition, part of it would be like, 
giving up something in order to really encounter God in a, in a sort of unique way. So, you know, it's a time where there's reflection and prayer and penance and fasting uh, during that time that, uh, you know, sort of was represented in Christ in the wilderness. Yeah, and that time, that was a time for Christ when he was, <clears throat> he literally was without food for 40 days. Um, he was at his probably weakest moments, and that's when he was tempted by Satan in the wilderness, all of which was preparing him for his public ministry. Yeah, yeah. And so the Lenten season is to help prepare not just for Good Friday and Easter and all that represents, but just a preparation season. Yeah. Um, but if we go back to Ash Wednesday, what? What is ash? Why ash? Where do we get ash? What, what would you say to that, Dan? Yeah. Uh, one rabbit trail, though, first is with that uh, 40 days in the wilderness. The one thing I've al- that I've always found interesting in that passage was angels came to minister to Christ after that 40 days. And I always wondered, what did that look like? What did they say? What did they do? You know, did they have food for him or did they have water for him or whatever it was? And, uh, and what was the conversation like? So I hope one day we find that yeah, out. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, but for the ash, you know, um, obviously the ashes themselves come, if you're Catholic, you know this, they come from the palm branches from Palm Sunday the week before. Uh, so they burned the palm branches. I don't know exactly where that came from, but the symbolism in, in it is uh, all the way back in Genesis where it was from ashes to ashes and dust to dust. Everybody's heard that phrase before. So it's really like a symbolism of our mortality mm-hmm. and that life is short and that eternity is long. So it gives us that, that symbol of you know, remembrance that uh, our life here is going to be very brief and uh, our eternity is going to be forever. So that's you know, good symbolism, I'd say, for, uh, for us to remember. Yeah, it often represents ash in the Bible uh, represented mortality. So God created kind of through the dust humanity. Mm. Um, so it's to dust we are, to dust we shall return. In fact, Genesis 3.19 says that, um, from dust you are created and to dust you shall return. Yeah. So we are made of dust in a sense and one day we will go back to dust. Uh, the mm. grave will be all of us one way or another. Um, but ash also symbolized mourning and repentance. Mm. And so if you read the Bible, especially in the Old Testament, and people were mourning either privately or publicly, often you'll see the phrase that they came with uh, sackcloth and, and ashes That's right. as a way of, of mourning. And so a couple places that we see this in, in Job, uh, Job is a story in the Old Testament. He was a man that faithfully followed God. Satan comes in the background and says, the only reason Job is following you is because basically his, his life's easy. Mm. So let me have permission to wreck his life and see if he really follows you. And as the story goes, he is, his health is concerned. He gets boils over his body, mm. uh, death in his family. Everything looks lost. And he's crying out to God, why would you allow all these terrible things to happen? Mm. And God answers him finally from the whirlwind and basically says, Job, where were you when I laid the foundations of the Mm. earth? And he goes on in his very presence. Interestingly, he never answers the question why, but his very presence is enough to satisfy Job. And at the end of Job, Job says, now I I repent in in dust and ashes. Uh, Job 42, five to six, he says, I repent in dust and ashes. And ashes also represent a ceremonial cleanliness, actually. Hebrews 9.13, it says, the blood of goats and bulls and the ashes of heifer sprinkled on those who are ceremonially unclean sanctify them or make them holy or consecrate them 
so that they are outwardly clean. And so just through that, you, as you mentioned, Dan, you see the mortality, yeah. you see the need for repentance, um, and you also see the idea of the need for being clean, mm -hmm. which presupposes that we aren't clean in ourselves. Yeah. Uh, so I think all of that is in the background of Ash Wednesday. And then just to give you just a little context of the history itself, I said, where, where did Ash Wednesday start? From my understanding, it goes back all the way to a church council called the Council of Nicaea, which is in 325 AD, so a long time ago. And by the way, that if you've ever heard of the Nicene Creed, that's the Council of Nicaea, where they were talking about the Trinity, is Jesus really God? Hmm. And it was really there that that began to be instituted once Christianity had been legalized in, in the world, in that part of the world. Um, but if you think about all that, okay, here's what dust means. We're preparing for the Easter season. Why should that, why could that be significant for a Christian today? Even if you don't celebrate it in an official capacity, um, if your church tradition doesn't uh, do that, why could that be beneficial to any Christian today? Yeah, you know, uh, I, I was just having a conversation this morning uh, with somebody, uh, one of the other worship leaders, and we were talking about prayer and uh, you know he was talking about how his prayer life often turns into a laundry list you know just uh, sort of a me-centered laundry list and, and he was realizing uh, and recognizing that prayer really should be conversational um, and he, he gave this example which was really interesting he he said he heard a guy talking uh, he had asked his daughter uh, to pray for the family and this may maybe for dinner or something like that and she just started praying like a really normal prayer and he said well stop for a second he said before you say anything I want you to think about who God really is and what he's really done for us. And then I want you to pray for our family. Mm. And she waited for a good four or five minutes. And when she started to pray, she actually started to cry, he said, mm. uh, because she suddenly realized you know, who she was communing with, who she was talking with. This is the God of the universe who's sovereign over all things, who breathed and all things came into existence. Just like Job when, Job when he said you know, um, that he's just dust before God. Mm. Uh, we all have that recognition that we're just dust before Him. Um, and you know, the first, uh, I, I was telling him, you know, with uh, one of the little acronyms that people use a lot of times is the ACTS acronym for prayer, and it's adoration and confession is uh, the, the next thing. And I think confession that like, um, you know, it says in Psalm 51 that He desires a contrite heart, mm. that He desires us to come to Him with uh, repentance, you know, and uh, you know, you, you'd mentioned the Job passage, but there's also a couple other passages. Um, so Jeremiah, he said, "Daughter of my people, dress in sackcloth, roll in ashes, mm -hmm. repent before me." Uh, he also said later in uh, Jeremiah 25, which is a book, incidentally, that uh, Kurt is going to start going through mm -hmm. uh, in his next series. He said, "Wail, you shepherds, and cry out, roll in the dust, you leaders of the flock, for the days of your slaughter have come, and you will be scattered." Like shattered like fine pottery. Um, Daniel also said, I turned to the Lord to seek help in my prayer and petition, which is we we're talking mm. about prayer, with fasting and sackcloth and ashes. Um, you know, there, there is something, um, you know, there's that, that outward part of the, you know, the ashes, but I don't think God's ever really concerned much with um, the outward person nearly as much as he's concerned with the inward person. Uh, and that idea of repentance before a holy God, mm -hmm. that we are fallen, and we're not just fallen in the general sense that we're sinful people in general, but 
we sin against God and we actually have real things to repent of. Mm. Uh, and I think that's something that God deeply desires. Um, so in that sense, you know, the, the Ash Wednesday and the remembering of our sinfulness before a holy God is probably a good and healthy thing that, uh, you know, we probably shouldn't just do on uh, during Lent, but throughout all of our lives, mm -hmm. repentance should be one of the key factors of our lives as a Christian. And I, I would agree with that, Dan. I mean, any, anything that brings awareness of our need for a Savior and brings a consciousness of our own mortality and our own need to have a lifestyle of repentance, not just, you know, a season of a month or two, but anything that brings awareness is a good thing. Um, I think for me, what, what is most significant is just the reminder of my own mortality. Hmm. Um, in fact, uh, there's, a, there's a verse in Scripture in Ecclesiastes 7, 2. It says this, It's better to go to the house of mourning than to go to the house of feasting, for that is the end of all people, and the living should take this to heart. Hmm. And uh, I kind of joke with people, pastors do a lot of funerals and a lot of weddings. And I say this, and it sounds like a joke, but a, I would almost always rather do a funeral than a wedding. Hmm. Um, now, there's the practical funerals are one day and weddings a whole week and all that kind of stuff. But, but truly, and I've probably done close to 50 funerals. And I'm, in oh, fact, wow. I just did one this last week, Dan. Uh, it was an unexpected death. Person got in the hospital uh, one day, two days later on a ventilator and, and gone. Wow. And a person was in their 50s, unexpected. But every single time I'm in a funeral service, um, or I go to a grave site, I am reminded this will be me someday. Mm. It may be tomorrow, it may be 20 years, it may be 60 more years, but death is the end of all of us, and it, that's, that's what this text says. Um, it's better to go to the house of mourning, because, and the living should take this to heart. And uh, just, just my remembering, like how would that change the way that I reflect and think and act? If I more consistently remembered to dust, I'm created. That says, don't take myself too seriously. <laughs> I'm just mm. created of dust. Um, and to dust we shall return. And so anything that helps me reflect on that, I think is a, is a good thing. And so, Dan, I'll just ask you personally, have you or do you intend to participate in a Lenten season even this year. Let, let's, uh, let's, let's, let's pull well, out all the cards there. Well, let me reel back just a little bit because, uh, you know, my father, he lived to be 93 years old, uh, and, and his last days were difficult ones, uh, the last couple years of his life. But he would always tell me, um, life is short. And, you know, when you think about it, like no matter how long you've lived or how short you've lived, if you look back on your life, it's just a blink. It's just mm. a memory. So whether you're 90 years old or whether you're 9 years old, uh, the remembrance of your life is a flash. Mm -hmm. And the reality is that in another flash, you know, we're going to be old men. And in another flash, maybe I'm closer <laughs> to that than mm -hmm. you are. But in another flash, we're going to be on our last legs. In mm -hmm. another flash, we're going to be in the grave. So mm -hmm. uh, the reality of life is it really is short. And uh, the reality of eternity is it really is long. You know, so it's, mm -hmm. it's got some very deep implications, I think, uh, you know, our perspectives on it and uh, our understanding of what eternity is. Uh, but back to your question, you know, am I going to practice it? Well, you know, one funny thing is that I didn't realize is a, a lot of um, uh, Protestant denominations actually practice Ash Wednesday now, mm -hmm. traditional Protestant denominations. Um, <clears throat> so some of my thoughts on it. Um, 
I've never been one. I'm, I'm not a New Year's resolution guy. I often joke and say, like, my New Year's resolution I made 40 years ago and said I'm never making New Year's resolutions. You've I kept was, it to this day. And I've been good at yeah, it. I've been really yeah. faithful every year I do it, and it's, uh, it's been good so far. But, you, you know, I feel like um, do in your life, ma- make decisions in your life that are consistent and uh, live up to those uh, decisions that you've made. You don't have to have a date to be able to, to mm-hmm. do that. And I know it's, it's good for some people, so I'm, mm-hmm. not, I'm not arguing, you know, an mm-hmm. exercise program or, you know, reading through the Bible or in a year or something like that. But in a way, I'd, I'd say that this is an externally imposed um, practice that um, I normally don't do in my life. Mm-hmm. Um, I like stuff to come from the inside to make my decision, make my determination. And, and I'd say in some ways that's probably the more spiritual thing to do. Um, it can become, I think, an outward practice that doesn't uh, necessarily reflect uh, an inward attitude of the heart. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I think God is calling us to repentance all of the time. Mm-hmm. So that's something that's that's an always. Um, so, you know, I mean, literally, I try to do that daily, mm-hmm. um, you know, just to repent, to ask God um, to help to change me and uh, recognize what Christ did for me on the cross. Mm. Um, so, you know, I, I never want there to be an outward sign of something that's not real on the, the inside. And I, I've also not been somebody who's liked a lot of those outward signs. You know, I'm not a like bumper sticker guy on mm-hmm. my car mm-hmm. or anything like that. You know, so uh, I, I like it to be much more from the inside out, you know. Speaking of bumper stickers, it goes back to what we were just talking about morning. And this is one I'll just remember, hopefully the rest of my life, but there's only one bumper sticker I remember and I used to serve another church, and I would every Sunday I'd be driving like a half hour. I'd see this same guy, this old guy, driving this car, and I could read his bumper sticker. It said this, life is short, death is sure, sin the curse, Christ the cure. Wow. And it was just good. a reminder every time I'm on my way to worship and share the Word of God and participate in the praises of God, I was reminded again that death is sure. Life is sure. Death is sure. Sin is the reason for the bad stuff, but Christ is the cure. So that's that's a bumper sticker I I remember. I do remember one. It was, uh, it said, honk if you love Jesus. And I honked at the guy and I pulled up next to him and he's like, what? He gave me this angry look. I thought, well, that's funny. Yes. Irony. Um, You mentioned the external piece. What are, what are some other dangers you could see, um, if someone said, you know, I, I've been doing this for all my life, or I want to start doing this, what should we be aware of some potential dangers of doing a practice like Lent, or some people give something up, or yeah. another thing, I, like I said, a, a, a particular sect was, there's no meat on Fridays. Right. What are some potential dangers of something like practicing Lent or giving something up for a short season? Yeah. So, so obviously there's some good things in it. If it does remind you um, to connect with God, to repent, to be penitent, um, to think about your mortality, about God's holiness, about your fallenness, those, those are all good and positive things. But I would say we don't need a season necessarily to do that. Um, some of the things that I think could be dangerous are really that outward display of religious zeal that doesn't match what your, mm. your heart is. And I'll give you an example of that. So you've, you talked about um, fish on Fridays. So for people who practice that, and I, I don't mean to be harsh in any way or, or sound judgmental, um, because there are really good practices that really do make sense, and I, and I get that. But if you ask somebody, why? Do you mm. know why? Why no fish on Friday? You tell me. I, I don't know. And, oh. and when I've asked, I've, I've probably asked dozens of people, and they don't know. 
Well, what so, I've heard anecdotally is, well, just like Christ gave up his life, he gave up in the wilderness. So this is one small way we give up to identify. That's one thing I've heard. But And, and I've also heard, and this could be total urban legend, yeah. and this was years ago, so I haven't Google checked this, but you can Google check this. But I've also heard that it was um, people who were in the fishing industry <laughs> that really pushed that. So I don't know if that's true or not, yeah. but could could yeah. be a possibility. But, you know, anytime you show that uh, uh, outward piety without um, uh that inward change of heart, I think that can be a very dangerous thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and we don't want to be people who uh, are hypocritical in that way. You know, we, we always want it to start from the inside out. So I think that's a, that's a really important thing. I know Calvin called it false zeal. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, it may be or it may not be. Uh, and he also said that it was superstitious. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, if you attribute something to it that has some sort of spiritual power or something like that, um, I, I don't think that that's real at all. Um, so yeah, I'd say that those are, those are some real dangers of it. I think along those lines, Dan, another possible danger is having a legalistic attitude. In other words, if I've done this for God, if that's, I'm doing this for God, then I anticipate God will do for me. Or, Mm. well, if I'm giving this up for God, haven't I earned him to do something good or some things good like for spiritual me. Spiritual manipulation. In yeah, some ways, yeah. That, that's a potential danger. The yeah. other danger which you alluded to is a potential sense of self-righteousness. Absolutely. Well, I am giving this up, whether or not I've told you what it is. Right. So I am a more spiritual, I am a more in tune, attuned Christian with God because of what I am doing. And it can cause us to look down on others who aren't. Right, well, right. like the Pharisees, for instance. That's right. Pharisees would fast once a week, and they often looked down on people who didn't yep. and didn't have all of these practices. Uh, and Jesus was very hard on any sort of religious practices that didn't start from the heart first. Yeah, and I think it's just as a reminder, this is from Paul in Colossians 2.16. I think this is a relevant text as well. He says, therefore, do not let anyone judge you by what you eat or drink or with regard to a religious festival, a new moon, a celebration, or a Sabbath day. These are a shadow of things that are, were to come. The reality, however, is found in Christ. Yeah. And so I just think that's a good, good reminder for us as well. And for those who participate or choose not to, God judges the motives of the heart. Yes. Uh, there can be a... a even for me, if I'm like, oh, yeah, I, I don't do, I don't need the 40 days. I'm always repentant. Mm. If I have that attitude, then it could be an excuse of my own laziness spiritually as well. Absolutely. Um, so it's it's really check your heart and be, you know, Jesus says, look at the uh, dust in your own eye. Uh, look at the plank in your own eye before you see a piece of dust in your mm. neighbors. And so it's one of those things I think the Christian community would err if we're saying everybody should. Yeah, do totally. what I do, or they should do this. Then yes. in that sense, we're making a law, you know, yeah. that Jesus didn't mean, as opposed to what is helpful in my walk with Jesus, showing my own mortality mm. uh, and repentance, uh, for sure. Well, and, you know, for, for sure, there have been um, outward practices that I've done in some ways, not, not the outward practice of showing something, you know, wearing a, you know, a Christian symbol or something like that. Uh, but, you know, I've, I've gone through books that are like the spiritual disciplines books, you know, uh, Richard Foster's books or other people's books. And, uh, you know, I found some of those practices to be extremely helpful. Mm -hmm. Now, they can become hollow and religious practices where you're doing something for God. Uh, They can do something very negative, uh, you know, in that sense. But for me and for countless others, they've Mm -hmm. really been beneficial for me for seasons and times. 
And, you know, we are seasonal creatures in some ways. You know, I mean, you do get into an exercise program that you'll do it for six months and then you, you know, change those. So um, that's not necessarily a bad thing as long as the, you keep the first thing first, which is your heart being made right with Christ and really, you know, learning to uh, worship him more, love him more, uh, obey him more, and try to become more like him. I think if we're aiming for those things, then that's probably really God-honoring and God mm. will probably meet you in the midst of uh, whatever practice it is that you're doing, you know. I think this practice and discipline along with others is their means of grace, not means to grace. Uh, yeah, In other yeah. words, it's not the practice, it's not the ritual, it's not the discipline, it's not the solitude, it's not mm. the Bible reading. Per it's how those things enable you to better encounter Jesus. And so if we see this practice and discipline in those lines, I think that can be a really healthy place place to land. Anything else you'd just say just around, uh, as we think about this season, as we enter the Christmas season, not Christmas, Dan, it's Easter. It's, it's, it's Easter. Easter. We It'll be corner. Christmas before we know it, though. That's right. That's right. Um, you know, again, I, just in talking to somebody this morning about prayer, um, you know, I, I made the analogy of having a date night with your uh, with your wife, you know, and, and a date night is a really good thing, but it can become cold and rigid and something that doesn't make you connect. But if your date night causes you to connect with your wife, to remember why you married her, to mm. love her more, to enjoy each other, uh, then it's something really positive. So I think, you know, if you have any of these disciplines or an outward practice like a Lent or something like that, uh, and it's really causing you to go deeper with God and to enjoy him more, to experience him more, um, to lay yourself down at his cross more. Um, that's a really good and positive thing. So I don't have anything negative uh, for people who are out there doing that practice and saying that it's, uh, it's really effective for them. Um, but my only caution would be make sure it starts from the inside and not the outward. Uh, if, if, it's, if it's just the outward, it's hollow then. Yeah. And my only... Uh caution also would be a lot of people have a strong opinions one way or the other mm. and i just read this quote i wanted to conclude with this is from uh, author traven wax um, just about should we should we not celebrate something like this is what he says i hardly think the church is suffering from too much fasting but i do think the church is suffering from too much self-righteousness and i include myself in this indictment mm. lent being either for or against can become a way of climbing up the pedestal. What is more important than the practices we take on is the heart attitude behind them. If there's anything we should give up this time of year, it's our sense of superiority either to those outside the church or to those inside the church who do things differently than we do. The cross levels us all, and that's true whether or not you practice Lent. And so just appreciate, appreciate that perspective. Uh, thank you for joining us on this Perspectives podcast. If you have a question or you want to check out some of the other great content, I encourage you to go online to the Orchard Hill Plus as well, and we will see you next time.